Yevamot of Kuftet Zayin, Amud Aleph and Amud Bet, Seeing the World as We Are, Taima Diktata Mishum Da Amra Bidadami. We've spoken in the last day or two on the idea of the differences between seeking evidence and making judgments. We discussed that in some detail yesterday, that they're completely different processes, that evidence has to be based on, not just based on fact, evidence has to be fact. But judgment, there's much more subjectivity involved. Judgment, you take a view, you take a position, you make assumptions. Uh, when, you, when you judge, if, if you had all the facts, you wouldn't have to make a judgment, you would have the facts. The reason that we make judgments in our lives are because we don't have all the facts and we have to, we have to take a view. We have, to, we, have, we have to take a position. And the way we judge is, determines how we act and, and where we go. Uh, and if you think of it from a commercial perspective, when two people make a trade, it's because their judgments differ. One person views the, um, the asset as being worth more than its price, and one person views the asset as being worth less than its price. And so you have a buy and a sell. It's two, the facts are the same. It's two different judgments. So the success of our lives depends more on judgment than on fact. Uh, for judgment, you need as much fact as you can get, but the judgment is not the same as fact. The judgment is going to be different from fact. Um, and today we see what can happen when you allow judgment to precede fact-finding uh, and to precede evidence. And this applies in life, this applies in business, it applies in politics, and it applies in learning Torah, uh, as we will see. So the uh, situation we're talking about is from the Mishnah, where Tata our Mishnah taught us that if there's an argument between he and she, then she is not believed to say that he's dead because we're afraid that he would, she would do so as a means of getting out of the marriage. What kind of arguments are we talking about? There, there are often arguments between uh, husbands and wives. It doesn't mean that that's, the marriage is over. Uh, Rav Yehuda says in the name of Shmuel, when she says to her husband, please give me a divorce, get me out of this. That's when it's a serious argument. <laughs> Have you ever heard a married couple where at one point or other she hasn't said, give me a divorce, get me out of this. That's normal marriage, which is interesting. <laughs> but if she says to her husband, you have divorced me already. Keep away from me. I've got to get from you. I don't know where the get is, but don't you remember we're divorced? Keep away from me. We have a principle in, in Shas from Rav Amnuna that if a woman confronts her husband and in his face she says, you have divorced me, we believe her, even if she hasn't got a get. Because a woman wouldn't say that if it, 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 to him directly. She might say it to her friends, but she wouldn't say it to him if that weren't true. She has that chazoka where there's an assumption we make that if a woman looks at her husband in the, in the eye and says, you divorced me, we believe her. In that case, she would be allowed to remarry, not because she says her husband's dead, but because she's, she says she's divorced. So the woman knows he will change it a little bit. In a situation where she says, he div you divorced me in front of Reuven and Shimon. They were the witnesses. And we check with Reuven and Shimon. And they say, we don't know what, what she's talking about. There was no such situation. So we know she's angry enough to claim that he divorced her, but there's no evidence that he really did. So she's not believed to be a divorcee. 
but she's, and because of her anger, she's not believed if she says that her husband's dead either. We won't believe that because we're afraid she's trying to get out of the marriage. Then says the Gemara, my time at what is the reason that if they've had an argument, we don't believe her? We, we've given a, a, an individual, a woman, uh, an a great deal of neemanut, of trustworthiness, so as to prevent aguna. If there's any way to assume that the husband has died, We'll do whatever we can to make that assumption, even if she's the only witness. But why, if they've been, if they've had a bad marriage and they've been having an argument, is she not believed? Says the Gemara, the two views. These are two different approaches to the issue. One is Rabbi Hanina. This is a great example of what I call the Gemara Zoom sessions. We've talked about the Zoom brought people together to have discussions across time zones, across continents. The Gemara Zoom goes further. It's even across eras. So Rav Hanina is from Eretz Yisrael, and he's an early Amorah. Uh, Rav Shimi Bar Ashi is from Bovel, and he's a much later Amorah. So they're not from the same place, and they're not for the same time, but they're having a conversation, and we're part of that conversation. What's the reason that Ktata is not, is, is, she's not believed? So Rabbi Hanina says, because we're afraid she's lying. She's making up the, the, situa- the scenario that her husband died, and she's deliberately manipulating the facts so that we should allow her to remarry to somebody else and get rid of this husband. We don't, we're not worried about that. Remember, we had Bidadami yesterday, and that means we're afraid that she is making assumptions from statistical from statistics. She's not she's not dealing with facts, she's dealing with statistics. My what is the practical difference between them? If he's the only one who's made the argument, he is the one who's triggering it off all the time, and she's also unhappy, so she wants to get out, but she, she, there's no indication that she's the trigger of the argument. She has, hasn't said, uh, I want to be divorced, and, and, and so on. She's, she just wants to, uh, because he's in a, in, a, in a bad mood about it, she wants to get out as well. So it's less of an argument. If it's a major argument, then we, we're worried about that she will be mishakerit, that she'll be telling a lie. If it's a minor argument, we're not worried that she'll tell a lie, but we are worried that she's not seeing the whole picture and she's drawing conclusions that aren't, that aren't accurate. Says Rashi, what, what does that mean? The Amrabi Dadami, Kol Makom Sakana Shirata, Enano Tenetata, Loma Shemalo Med Veloansha, Tohil Vesanya Levelodaike Kulihai. This Rashi is, is important. It's the essence of the Gemara here, and it, it's important to our understanding of the subject. And that is that we're worried that if there was any situation of da- danger, she didn't check carefully to see whether he survived. That's what. So it's, we're not worried about that she's lying. She's not. She doesn't know that he's alive and comes to tell us that that she's dead. That's Rabbi Hanina's view. But Rav Shimi Barashi says, no, we're not, we, that's not what we're concerned about. Even though, says Tosfus, we've already caught her lying because she told us that she got divorced in front of two witnesses and we checked with the witnesses and they weren't. Says Tosfus, yeah, she would lie about that, but she's not going to lie about the death of her husband and remarry knowing that she's actually an Ashit Ish, she's actually a, a married woman. That level of lying she's not going to do, says Rav Shimi Barashi. But she might not have checked the facts well enough. If that's the case, what would happen if she came and she said, uh, and I buried him. He died and I buried him. 
So now we can't say she didn't check the facts clearly enough. She's not relying on statistics. She's telling us that it's something that happened. She buried her husband. In that case, says the Ritva, we would accept that. We, according to Rav Shimi Barashi, we're not going to be afraid that she lied. If, if she, according to Rabbi Hanina, we'll say maybe that's a lie. Maybe there was no such funeral. Maybe she never buried him. But according to Rav Shimi Barashi, we're not afraid about her lying. We're afraid that she's jumping to conclusions. Well, there's no conclusion to jump to. If you buried him, then you buried him. So that would be another case as the Ritvo, where there would be a difference between Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Shimi Barashi in the case where she actually tells us about the, the death of her husband. There's an interesting Shilte Giborim. The Shilte Giborim is, is so amazing. and We underrate him. Um, the Shilte Giborim is, is on, the, on the riff. It's a commentary on the riff. And what he does a lot of the time is he brings the, the Riaz. The Riaz is the grandson of the Tosfus Rid. So this is the Italian school of Tosfatists. And the, um, and the Riaz wrote a lot on the riff. And most of what he wrote we have through the Shilte Giborim. But one of the great things about the Shilte Giborim is on the page of Gomorrah where we've got the Masoris HaShas and the Ein Mishpat Anair Mitzvah. All the references anywhere else in Shas where this Gomorrah is, is relevant and references to all the Rambam, Tur and Shulchan Aruch that we have on the side, that's the, that's the Shilte Giborim. It's the same person who without computers, he was the first hyperlinker. Uh, he hyperlinked every Gomorrah to every other Gomorrah and to every Rambam and and piece of Turin Shukhanor. So just imagine the the knowledge and the clarity that, that he had. And he brings from, from the Riyaz that the Riyaz wants to suggest that um, if the husband does something terrible, like he, he converts to another religion or he abandons her, that would be an example of a serious machlokas. And, he, and the, Riyaz, the Riyaz brings that in his grandfather's name. And the Riyaz himself says, uh, but I don't think so. I think the essence of this Gemara is whether he's the Baal Machlokis or she is also. If she's just reacting to him, then that's a minor Machlokis. It's a minor Ktata. If, if, um, if, she, if she's instigating it as well, then we're worried that she didn't see the facts. But if she's just responding to him, it's different. But what we want to look here at, at here is this idea that if somebody has an emotional investment in the outcome, the facts are suspect. That's what's so interesting. Uh, that we're concerned that she didn't be the dummy. We're not worried that she's distorting it deliber deliberately. We're not worried that she's lying. But we still don't believe her. Because ne'emanut means not only a person has no intention to lie, the ne'emanut, when we trust somebody, you trust them that they're seeing the facts correctly. Um, and, and seeing the facts correctly is a, a massive madrego. It's a huge level of, of human accomplishment just to see the facts uh, to see the facts clearly so here we have she's upset with him she's angry at him what are we worried about that she tells us he's dead but she hasn't really checked to the nth degree so, so that her middle her, her state of being her character at that time the hatred in her, in her at that time affects the reality that she observes because as one wise person once said, we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. The way we are, the state of being. If we're angry, we see the world as threatening. If we're happy, we see the world as full of joy and opportunities. We see the world through different lenses. And our emotional state affects the lens through which we see the world. And her hatred affects her lens. Not worried that she's deliberately telling a lie. I'm worried that the lens through which she sees the world is distorted.
And this is fundamental in the learning of Torah as well. When you, a person's looking at the facts of Torah, you're learning. You're trying to find what the Torah holds on something. You're trying to find a solution. A rov has a shaila. You want to understand the facts of the shaila, and you want to understand the halacha of the shaila. And you want there to be absolute clarity. Um, David Amelech says in, in the end of Perikuf Yudalaf of Tehillim, Reshit Chochmai Yirat Hashem. The beginning, this, these, these two psukim that I'm quoting here from Tehillim and from Mishle, from David and his son Shlomo, this defines the essence of the difference between Torah and any other body of knowledge and study and discipline. Because in Torah, the beginning of Chochmah, what does wisdom in Torah mean? Yiras Hashem. You can't have Torah wisdom without Yiras Hashem. What do you mean you can't have Torah wisdom without Yir Hashem? There are lots of academics who've got no Yir Hashem. Google has got no Yir Hashem. And look how much Torah there is there. Anybody can get whatever they want from it. Do you need Yir Hashem for it? Yes, because without Yir Hashem, the lens is such that what you're looking at is not going to be complete. It's, you're unable to see all the facts if there isn't, if there isn't the Yir Hashem. And that's why we, as, uh, traditionally, to, through, throughout the ages, when a person has a, a problem, you'll say to a bentera, to a frum person, uh, whether it's in our days or it's, it's 100 years ago or 500 years ago, and they've got an issue. They've got an issue in business, and they've got an issue with raising their children. They've got an issue in psychology. And they go to a tzaddik. They go to the rov. Why? Because he sees things as they really are. And that's the most important thing when you're asking advice. You're not asking advice because they have the answers. You're asking advice because they see the problem, because they see the facts. And their facts, the, the way they see the facts is not distorted by their own position and the outcome they want. But Moshe Feinstein told me himself when he starts writing a tshuva, the first draft, he doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. He doesn't start thinking, I've got to get to such and such an outcome, let me find the way. He starts writing and the outcome emerges from the Gemara. And this is one of the things that's, that's important even about the Matmonim that I try so hard to do with you is to develop the ideas out of the Gemara, not to start off and, and say a vort on the daf, but to develop the ideas out of the Gemara. Look at this Rashi. Kol <laughs> She doesn't think of the possibility that he might have survived. It's only a small possibility, but she's blinded to the possibility by her emotion. And it, uh, the idea of Reishis Chochma Yiras Hashem is that you're driven by Yiras Hashem and you can't be blinded by, by a false emotion. And Mishle says, Shlomo says, Tchilas Chochma Yiras Hashem. That's where the, that's where the Chochma itself begins. Vedat Kedushim Bina. And you know what Bina is? Do you know what real wisdom is? It's the knowledge of a Kodosh. It doesn't say it's the knowledge of a wise person. It doesn't say it's the knowledge of an expert. It's the knowledge of a Kodosh. What is a Kodosh? Says the Matsudas David. Somebody who's Lekadesh Somebody who has self mastery and self control and even things that are permitted, he doesn't go after. That's, he doesn't have that self interest and that, and that passion to pursue. He has the objectivity and the equanimity to look at things as they really are and not to be driven by his own, uh, by his own passions and, and desires. And so when we're learning, really important, whether you're learning a piece of Gomorrah, Rashi, Tosvis, Rambam, Shulchanoruch, you're not learning with a desired outcome. You don't start with a, with a precondition. You don't start with, a, with an assumption. You start with a clean, open mind. 
and you examine and you examine and you examine to see what's written there. And out of what's written there develops the outcome. Out of the facts comes the principle, not the other way around. 